Boston Private Perspectives. I'm Shannon Sakosha, Chief Investment Officer at Boston Private, and I want to first thank you for joining us today. As we move towards the 4th of July holiday, our celebrations are likely to be a bit different this year, but my hope is that you enjoy whatever form that they may take. This week, I would like to turn the conversation to an interesting dynamic that is unfolding in the world of social media, and in particular, in the world of Facebook. Facebook is a company that from its inception has been both beloved and loathed, sometimes at the same time, and yet despite its speckled past, is now one of the largest capitalization stocks in the United States, with a subscriber base that continues to grow through its multiple platforms. But this podcast isn't about whether Facebook is a good buy or not, although it's a reasonable question, perhaps for another time. Instead, it is about corporate responsibility or the perception of corporate responsibility, and how that can change an industry over time if there is enough support. To set the stage, let's go back to the early days of SRI investing, or socially responsible investing, or what is known now as ESG, environmental, social, and governance investing, or even just values investing. In its early form, SRI or ESG investing was essentially divesting from or not investing in, companies which were profiting from businesses or business practices with which one did not agree. Apartheid in South Africa and the use of child labor by apparel manufacturers in factories in Southeast Asia were some of the first areas of emphasis, while the divestment of tobacco companies, gun manufacturers, and fossil fuel providers came soon after. These battles were fought by large institutional investors, for the most part, who were driven to action by a desire to align their mission with their investment portfolios. And they had the capital to be impactful, and as such, they were able to affect some change, partnering with organizations and investment managers focused on advocacy. The causes may have changed over time, But the idea that financial capital can help to put pressure on company management to make better choices has not. What we are seeing today is that those battles are beginning to play out on the internet, and specifically on social media platforms. The internet had its origins in anonymity, with code names and handles and a sense that one could exist in a virtual world without necessarily tying one's online identity to their identity in real life. With Facebook, you brought your real-life community to you, expanding your connections to the connections of your friends and family, and joining groups of people with whom you shared similar interests. The photos you liked, the pages you followed, the links you clicked on, they all became part of a treasure trove of information. Your internet searches, of course, were tracked in the same way, but Facebook data, as well as Twitter, and Instagram, the latter of which Facebook owns, is more valuable because it can provide data which allows companies to tailor advertising directly to you, making it more impactful and profitable per dollar spent. So advertising began to drive earnings for these internet companies, and more subscribers meant more ads and more revenues. Of course, the problem with the internet is that it is only loosely policed, And those doing the policing are incentivized to create a dynamic environment 
that draws people to their platform in order to drive advertising revenue. So while there are limitations on criminal activity, one of the areas that has been more difficult to restrict is activity that is inaccurate or inappropriate, if not downright hateful. This is where platforms sit in the land of the gray, where they have set their own rules and standards of conduct for the last several years. While the proliferation of political posts during the 2016 presidential election and the subsequent investigation into tampering into the election through Facebook raised a lot of questions about the role of the provider in policing content, it didn't really change how companies felt about advertising on social media. And because it didn't necessarily impact the bottom line, some measures were taken to advise on posts that could be perceived as inaccurate. But unlike Twitter, Facebook hasn't done much to curb what could be considered threatening or hateful speech. But today, the lack of action to do something to counteract misinformation and racism on social platforms is receiving additional attention against the backdrop of calls for greater racial equality in the United States. The NAACP, Anti-Defamation League, Sleeping Giants, Free Press, Color of Change, and Common Sense have called for companies to boycott Facebook by suspending advertising on the platform for the month of July. This call comes in light of the company's approach to content, which the collective believes has helped to incite violence against protesters and encourage widespread voter suppression. Companies suspending their advertising include Adidas, Clorox, Conagra, Ford, Coca-Cola, Verizon, and Starbucks, some for the month of July and some for the rest of 2020. Why is this important? Well, for a number of reasons, but from an investment standpoint, this could become a very important precedent for companies and their approach to corporate responsibility. In fact, this is a very nuanced and highly differentiated approach. Companies are extending their view of corporate responsibility beyond their walls and beyond their suppliers to the companies to which they funnel their capital. Similar to the early days of SRI investing, during which large institutions played a similar role. In doing so, they are forcing their version of corporate responsibility on another entity and demanding that their partners reflect the same values as they do. There are risks to this approach for the previously mentioned companies. If they miscalculate the desire of Facebook to change their policies, they will likely leave customers behind as well, as they will no longer be able to engage with the audience. But if they prove successful in forcing Facebook to consider its role as arbiter of content on its platform, it creates a new paradigm for companies, rather than institutions, to broaden their social impact beyond just their businesses. SRI, ESG, impact investing, values alignment, these are all terms that are somewhat interchangeable at the highest level. But investing in this manner has always existed outside the mainstream as an alternative to traditional fundamental investing, which focused on balance sheets and income statements, profitability, and earnings. But performing well by doing good and not just avoiding the bad has been growing in popularity and many traditional asset managers are now incorporating an evaluation of a company's social, environmental, and corporate governance policies into their research as well. 
If now companies are doing the same thing, determining which partners they are choosing based on this type of evaluation, could we see a massive shift in what companies perform best, which develop long-term strategic partnerships, and perhaps promote an investment universe in which inclusive, globally thoughtful policies are the norm rather than the exception? It seems like we could be on the precipice of such a movement, even if it has been a long time coming. Thanks again for listening to this week's podcast. I want to encourage all of you to reach out to our team here at Boston Private with any questions or concerns you may have. Providing guidance and support as a trusted advisor is our mission. If you have any questions or thoughts on my points today, you can find me on Twitter at Shannon Sakosha. You can also read our latest perspectives on the markets, the economy, taxes, estate planning, and a variety of other topics by visiting bostonprivate.com. And if you want all of this information delivered right to your inbox, I encourage you to sign up for our newsletters. Be sure to subscribe to the Boston Private Perspectives on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify. And I look forward to coming to you from my home studio next week. This podcast is solely for informational purposes and is not a solicitation or an offer to buy any security or instrument or to participate in any trading strategy. The opinions expressed and information contained in this podcast are given in good faith, may be subject to change without notice, and are as of the date issued. All sourced information is believed to be reliable but has not been independently verified. This podcast discusses general market activity, industry or sector trends, or other broad-based economic, market, or political conditions and should not be construed as personalized investment advice. The following does not represent a complete analysis of every material fact with respect to the topics covered herein. All investments carry a risk of loss. Neither BPW nor its investment professionals or representatives provide tax, accounting, or legal advice. Listeners should review any planned financial transactions or arrangements that may have tax, accounting, or legal implications with their advisors. For additional information about us, please refer to our Form ADV Disclosure Brochure, which may be obtained by contacting us at 800-422-6172 or info at bostonprivate.com. Private banking and trust services are offered through Boston Private Bank and Trust Company, a Massachusetts chartered trust company. Wealth management services are offered through Boston Private Wealth, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor and wholly-owned subsidiary of Boston Private Bank and Trust Company. Boston Private Bank is an FDIC member and equal housing lender. Investments are not FDIC-insured, not bank-guaranteed, and may lose value.